Hello and welcome to this GBM Media podcast. As we're approaching the 31st of October, which is Reformation Day, the episodes of the Serving Today programme you're about to hear were first aired in 2017, marking the 500th anniversary of this major event in the history of the Church. So we hope that you enjoy them. In October 1517, Martin Luther wrote a document which sparked off the Reformation. This is what we've been learning about here on Serving Today with the help of Philip Parsons. He's shown us the importance of church history for believers. Then he took us through the origins of the Reformation. And in the last few programmes, Philip gave us an overview of the five key Reformation doctrines, which are Scripture alone, grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, and to the glory of God alone. So what were the fruits of the Reformation? What impact did it have on spirituality? And did the Reformation have any long-term effects on national and international life? Well, to answer these questions, I'll now hand over to Derek French and Philip Parsons. We saw that it was a mighty work of God, breathing new life into his church and bringing it back to its biblical roots. We saw that God used even political events and modern technology to prosper the work. From the human point of view, the reformers carried out the work, but behind the human effort was a divine impetus which carried them along. As we saw in the case of Luther, the document which he intended merely as a discussion paper for academics became the spark which set the forest ablaze. These as well as other events demonstrate that it was all a work of God. We've looked at these five undergirding principles of the Reformation. Scripture alone, grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, and to God alone be the glory. And inasmuch as any church departs from these principles, it's drifting away from its biblical roots. This time I want us to look at some of these fruits or effects of the Reformation. So where do you want to begin? Well, first of all, those things which directly affected church life. So what would be the first of these? Well, there was a return to the simplicity of New Testament church order. Before the Reformation, the clergy, including the whole array of cardinals and bishops and priests and monks and nuns and friars, all headed up by the Pope. All these offices had grown up over the centuries and we can find no support for them really in Scripture. The reformers saw clearly that the majority of these so-called spiritual offices were of human origin. In much of Europe and in Scotland, where there was less interference from the state, the standing offices in the church were reduced to just elder and deacon. In England, the situation was complicated by Henry VIII making himself head of the Church of England. This prevented the reformers from carrying out a more thorough reformation but much improvement was still achieved in the government of the state church. And in the 17th century, although the Puritans failed to achieve a more complete reformation of the state church, which they were aiming to do, they did leave us a spiritual legacy in their writings, which still continues with us to this day. Philip, how did the Reformation affect the way the church worshipped? The form of worship which we have in our non-conformist churches today is very similar to that of the Reformed churches in Europe and in Scotland in the 16th century. Even the design of the buildings is significant. The pulpit is central and dominant. And this has a biblical basis. 
we find in Nehemiah chapter 8 verses 4 and 5 a justification for this really. If you'd like to read that for us, Derek, please. Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on his right stood Mattithiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah and Asiah and on his left were Pediah, Mishael, Malkijah, Hashum, Hashbanada, Zechariah and Meshulam. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God. And all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen and Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Yes, I mean, that's the point I'm making there is that the whole concept of being in a place that you can be heard and seen yes. for preaching is, is, is actually quite important in design of churches. In, in, in the truly evangelical and reformed churches, everything is plain and simple. There are no elaborate rituals or gorgeous vestments. We have no images or pictures of the saints. This is no accident or minor issue. It is central to Reformation theology. It was the simplicity of the Eastern European Reformed churches which surprised the Turkish armies when they spread westwards toward Vienna in the 16th century. And Protestant believers in Hungary and Transylvania fared much better under their Turkish overlords than they had previously done under the medieval church and state. We owe the simplicity of our worship to the Reformation. Let us guard it jealously. In some places, unfortunately, other things are creeping back into the worship of God, even in evangelical churches. In some places, which would regard themselves as evangelical candles are being used to symbolise prayers. Paintings and tapestries are reappearing, depicting the person of Christ. Many early Reformation congregations had no musical accompaniment at all, and the Reformers would be amazed at what one can only describe as what is sometimes the worldliness which is creeping back into the worship in some evangelical churches. The simplicity of our worship is a great gift from God. Let us not abandon it or despise it. Once again, our thanks to Philip Parsons and Derek French. Next time, Philip will look at how the Reformation affected the preaching of the Bible, the church's prayer life, and how church and state should coexist. We come now to the next part of the church history series in which we're focusing on the Reformation, as this year, 2017, marks its 500th anniversary. Having looked at the Reformation's origins and key doctrines, we began last time to look at some of its effects. The Reformation saw a return to the simplicity of New Testament church order. Church leaders were no longer called priests. In fact, all true believers were now seen as priests having direct access to God through Christ. Another effect was a simpler approach to Christian worship. Church buildings became plainer and the pulpit more central. These were and should still be seen as great gifts from God. To continue this overview of the Reformation's lasting effect on the church, we're joined again by Philip Parsons and Derek French. OK, well, what comes next? The third point I'd like to make is the recovery of the dominance of biblical expository preaching. Mm, and that's so vital, isn't it? So important. This. It is yeah. a very important point. In the days of Christ and the early church, it was preaching which turned the world upside down. We can 
see that in Matthew chapter 3 and verses 1 and 2, if you'd read that for us, Derek. Yes, and we read, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And then if you turn over to chapter 4 and verse 17, there's a very similar verse, if you'd like to read that, please, Derek. Yes, this is concerning the Saviour himself. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Yes, there's the primacy of preaching, isn't yes, it? Yes. It's so obvious when you read these verses that that's, that's it's, right, it's yes. sad that the church at that time had gone away from it, but yes. lovely that it was coming back. Yes. In times of revival, it is preaching which comes once more to the fore. In times of spiritual decline, it is preaching that becomes marginalised. At the time of the Reformation, the same principle applied. There was some preaching in the medieval church, but it was often allegorical or a kind of moralistic harangue. Truly, biblical preaching was almost unknown with the exception of Wycliffe in 14th century England and John Huss and Jerome in 15th century Prague. Nowadays, some evangelical churches have begun to drift away from their Reformation moorings and back to a more medieval kind of approach. The introduction of more music and of drama are marginalising preaching. At all costs in this day and age, we need to guard the heritage of true worship with the dominance of preaching which has been preserved for us. In the Reformed churches, the sacraments were always subservient to the word, as opposed to what had been true in medieval times. If we denigrate and marginalise preaching, then it won't be long before we lose it and the sacraments begin to dominate again. Preachers are a great gift to the church. If we despise the gift, then God could well withdraw it from us. Yes, we need to take that to heart, don't we? We do, yes. Yeah, yeah. What about the influence of the Reformation on prayer? Obviously, all of God's work, really, there's prayer involved. But particularly the prayer meeting, which seems to be a fruit of the Reformation, Within the orbit of the medieval church, the concept of corporate extemporary prayer was virtually unknown. There may have been some exceptions, but the rule was that it was the priests and monks, the professionals, who did all the praying. This shows the low level of true living faith of those times, for where there is true faith, then there is going to be a desire to pray together. And so the prayer meeting has become part of our heritage. Let us guard it and hold on to it. It has been rightly said that the state of the prayer meeting is a measure of the spiritual health of a church. Yes, I think that's so true, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Yeah. A church doesn't have a prayer meeting. There's something drastically wrong with it, really. Yes. 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 Yeah, yeah. I think in Colossians 4, where Paul speaks about devoting ourselves to prayer, I remember reading a commentary that a prayerless Christian in a prayerless church has been overcome by a huge catastrophe. Yes. And I think that's quite telling, isn't it? Well then, Philip, what did the Reformation do with regard to the relationship between the church and the state at that time? Yes, well, it, it brought about a, what you might call a proper division between church and state. The roles of church and state and their relative positions can be summed up by the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, where he says, Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. In many countries today, the state interferes with the affairs of the church. 
The problem in medieval times was almost the, the opposite, was that the church was dominant and interfered with the state. Rulers felt they had to get permission from the Pope before their actions. Although in England, following the Norman Conquest, there was an increasing independence from Rome. Following the Reformation, the distinct roles of church and state began to be redefined. These things took some time, and different countries moved forward at different rates. In England, the Reformation was curtailed by the premature death of Edward VI, the son of Henry VIII, and the Church of England has never become completely disentangled from the state. This principle is really one of authority. If the rightful authority of Scripture were established, then neither church nor state would dominate. Each has its own distinct sphere. The Reformation did have a profound effect on the life of the church as it rediscovered the teaching of the Scriptures. But the effects of the Reformation didn't stop there, and Philip Parsons will outline for us how wider society was affected by this movement of God. That was Serving Today, a podcast from the Grace Baptist Mission radio team. To get in touch, you can email us. The address is servingtoday at gbm.org.uk or find us on Twitter at servingtodaygbm. You can also search our back catalogue from our webpage www.gbm.org.uk forward slash radio. Thanks for listening and goodbye.